Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. As I said, I was confirmed right here at St. Peter in seventh grade. And my life verse that was shared with you just a little bit ago is a verse that I chose for my confirmation. And it's a verse that has become extremely important to me over the years, even if when I first chose it, I, I'm not even sure why I chose it. But over time, it has become extremely important to me and my life, and I'd love to share with you today what it means to me. Um, unfortunately, one of the main things that I remember about when I was about to get confirmed was that a few weeks prior to my confirmation, my mom and dad, who are members here, David and Shannon Fisher, they told me that I would not be getting a, a graduation party, but instead that they would be directing their effort and time towards my confirmation party. And at the time, I was a little bummed out that I was only getting one party uh, because I'm selfish. Um, that's the moral of the story. Um, but I was a little bummed out, but they said they'd make it extra special and it would be like two parties in one. So I was like, all right, as long as I get the food and the gifts, that was, that was my main concern at the time. But since then, I've realized why my parents did that and what their reasoning behind that was. It was because they wanted me to prioritize my faith over my accomplishments. They wanted me to realize that my, while my accomplishments and my successes are something worth celebrating and thanking God for, they pale in comparison to what God can do for me in my life, what he did for me in my baptism when he called me his child. And confirmation is a day to celebrate that you have been kept in that faith by God the same faith that was instilled in you in your baptism as a younger child. And that is something I am extremely thankful for. And this verse that I chose, I'm going to read it again for us. I actually memorized it with a slightly different translation, um, but it, it sounds almost the same except for one word. It goes, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And if we could bring that back up on the screen, because that's what we're going to be focusing on and pondering for a moment here. I had the great opportunity to take a closer look at my verse. Not just the verse by itself, but the verses around it. As I prepared for this sermon, I got to look at the whole letter of 2 Timothy. And I, ch I challenge all of you, if you have a life verse, if you're choosing a life verse, look at the verses around that verse. It'll reveal a deeper meaning, and it'll help you better understand what that person who wrote it was going through, and also what God wants to tell you through that, that verse. When I looked at the second letter from Paul to Timothy, you know Paul, he wrote a lot of letters. This was his last one his final letter. And we know that because Paul knew that. As he was writing it in chapter 4, right before he says my life verse, he says that he has run the race, that he has fought the good fight. 
that he is being poured out as a drink offering. You see, Paul realizes that he is about to die. He is about to become a martyr for the faith. He's in prison at the time of writing this, and he is about to die because he shared the good news. So this letter is sort of a last will and testament for Paul, which would make you think that it would be bleak, sad, a long, weepy farewell. But instead, Paul takes his time not to say, woe is me, but to confidently assert his trust in God and to encourage Timothy. Instead of asking for encouragement himself, he encourages Timothy to continue doing what he and Paul have been doing, sharing the good news, sharing God's rescue story with all people. And I think that is beautiful. But Paul said, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, or the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. And then, like I said, immediate, almost immediately after sending this letter, within the same year, he dies. So was Paul wrong? That's the question I was thinking about. Was he wrong when he said, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed or every evil attack? It doesn't look like Paul got rescued, at least to our earthly eyes. So that tells us that Paul is talking about a much bigger rescue mission than we can fathom. He's not talking about being rescued from the suffering and the struggling that happens on a day-to-day basis. He's talking about something eternal, being rescued from the consequences of our sins. You see, that, that word evil deed, another translation for it is evil attack. And I think that both of those words carry a slightly different meaning. But together, I think they encompass all of what Paul's trying to say. You see, an evil attack is something that comes from outside of us. We know the attacker is the devil. He puts these thoughts in our minds. He brings us to despair when we see what is going on in the world. The violence, the corruption, the sickness, the brokenness. Deaths in wars like the one in Ukraine. Deaths at home like the one in Uvalde. We see those things and we begin to wonder, where is God in all of this? Is he even working? Yes, he is. But the devil wants us to distract us from that fact. He does not want us to get to that answer. So for that, we need rescuing. But when we think of evil deeds... I know the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that is my own sins, my own ways that I have fallen short as a husband and as a father. I think of all the ways that Paul lists in chapter 3. He lists so many different ways that we fall short, as if we needed to be reminded of the ways that we fail God on a day-to-day basis. I think he summarizes it best when he says in chapter 3, verse 4, that we become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. There are things in your life that bring you joy, that may may be healthy, maybe they're, they're not, but I can almost guarantee that you have something in your life that you obsess about, 
and that you at times place in priority over your family, over your friends that you're supposed to be serving, and worse, in front of God. Whether it's social media, your reputation, whether it's greed, wanting the things that you don't have. We need rescuing from our own evil deeds. And we're about to receive that rescue in a few moments as we receive the absolution after confessing our sins. We're going to receive forgiveness. And we're going to receive communion, the very body and blood of Christ, and be rescued from our sin in that. And when we are overcome with the evil attacks that happen in the world and in our own personal lives, when they're suffering in our own personal lives, the loss of a loved one, sickness in our families, brokenness in our relationships, it can be hard to trust that God is actually going to rescue us from that situation. And that's because the rescue does not always look like we think it is going to. And because sometimes we can't imagine a possible way out of that situation. We can't imagine any possible rescue mission succeeding. But Paul does something that I think is helpful for all of us. The way that he remembers and trusts in God to rescue is by looking what God has done before. The verses immediately before this verse read like this. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. He says, I was rescued, and then goes on to say, I will be rescued. He knows that God will continue to rescue him because he already has rescued him time and time again. So you'll have an opportunity during our hear and share question to think about a time in your life when you knew that God had come in and rescued you, whether it was here at church, a prayer that was answered, your life verse that gave you the strength and comfort you needed at the right moment, or a person that God put in your life at just the right time. I'd like to share my story with you that I remember when a situation looks hopeless, when I want to remember God's rescuing power in my life. And it happened before I was even aware of my surroundings, before I even had memories. Most of you know myself or my family. They've been members for 25 years. But what some of you might not realize is that Shannon is not my biological mother. She's always been my mother as far as my memory, and she's been the best mother a son could ask for. But my biological mother died when I was one year old. And my dad, Dave, and I needed rescuing in that situation. I know that I don't have to tell any single parents who are here or at home how difficult it can be to raise a child on your own. And I have the utmost sympathy and respect for people raising a child alone. But we needed rescuing. And consequently, Shannon 
a few years before that happened, lost her husband, Jim, in a terribly tragic car accident. And it was so bad that her extreme anxiety and PTSD would not even allow her to drive to work. She could hardly even get into the car. She needed rescuing. And the beginning of her rescuing came in the form of therapy. She had a wonderful psychologist who was willing to work with her and walk with her every step of the way. She would get in the car with her and encourage her as she took short drives and then slightly longer drives. But she would walk with her every step of the way. But on one day in particular, Shannon's stress was even higher because her psychologist, who was going to be accompanying her for a car ride, was nine months pregnant. It was her due date that day. And Shannon, on top of the stress she already had about driving, was terrified by the fact that she might have to drive this woman to the hospital. Thankfully, the baby didn't come that day. The baby came eight days later, December 20th, 1992, and I was born. You see, Shannon's psychologist was Christine, my biological mother. And a few years after Christine had passed away, David and Shannon were both mourning the loss of their spouses and a mutual friend between the two of them. They had never met. A mutual friend between the two of them set them up on a date. And they almost immediately fell in love. And very soon after, we became the family that we are today. And if the coincidence that Shannon knew me before I was even born, if that coincidence isn't enough, something even more wild is that Shannon's husband, Jim, and my biological mother, Christine, are buried in the same cemetery. And it's coincidences like that, that when I remember them, I realize that that is a rescue story that only God could write. And it's a beautiful story, a story I love sharing, and something I'm extremely thankful for. But I realize that not every story like that has a happy ending. That story very well could have not had that happy ending. It could have gone a much different way. Paul's story did not have what we would call a happy ending. Like I said, he died just after writing this letter. But even when there is not the happy ending that we are looking for, even if I had not ever met Shannon, and Shannon had never met Dave, even without all of those things, we were still rescued. We would have still been rescued because of something that happened before any of that. See, Shannon was baptized. David was baptized. I was baptized. We were rescued on that day of our baptism when God called us his children. We were rescued on the day that Christ died on the cross and on the day that he rose again. And in our baptism, he seals us into that promise. He applies that resurrection, that resurrected life to us, 
and he says, you have been rescued. And that is beautiful news. We've been rescued from the sins that we commit on a daily day base, day-to-day basis. We have been rescued from the evils of this world, and we have the promise that he will bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom, to our heavenly home. And not only that, but we are given the joyful opportunity not to keep that to ourselves, but to share that rescue story with those around us. God rescues us from evil for good. He rescues us from every evil deed and every evil attack so that instead we can do good works and share good news. We get to share the love that God first showed us with those around us. We get to point other people towards the greatest rescuer there is. The Lord will rescue us from every evil attack and every evil deed, and he will bring us home safely to our heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. At this time, I would encourage you to think about on your own or share with the people around you some of our here and practice questions, reflecting on the life verse that I was able to share with you or maybe your own life verse. But as you reflect on that, I want you to answer these three questions. What is a time that you remember being rescued by God? That's the first question. The second question is, what evil in your life can God rescue you from right now? And then finally, who do you know that needs to be rescued? And how can you help point them to their rescuer? Go ahead and take some time to think and talk about those questions.